Peace be upon you. So in the Quran, the word hikmah, which is typically translated as wisdom, throughout the Quran is mentioned almost always in association with scripture, kitab. In Surah 2 verse 129, it reads, Our Lord and raise among them a messenger to recite them your revelations, teach them the scripture, kitab, and wisdom, hikmah, and purify them. You are the Almighty, Most Wise. And again, we read in 381, again, this association of Scripture, Kitab, with Hikmah, Wisdom. It says, God took a covenant from the prophets, saying, I will give you the Scripture, Kitab, and the Wisdom, Hikmah. From the surface level reading of these verses, it appears that Wisdom is something separate from Scripture. And this is a common claim from traditional Muslims to justify the upholding of Hadith besides the Quran. So what is the distinction between Hikmah, Wisdom, and Kitab, Scripture, and are they two separate things? Anyone, irrespective of their faith, sincerity, purity, can grab a Quran, can open it up, and read it. They can evaluate its contents, even memorize every single verse. This facet constitutes the physicality of the book, which we call the Scripture, Kitab. But there's another dimension to this book, which is the enlightenment and understanding, which is encompassed in the word hikmah, wisdom, embedded inside this book. This means anyone, irrespective of their faith, can evaluate this book, but only the ones who are sincere can access the wisdom, the knowledge that is inherent in this book. This is because the insincere will be blocked out from ever understanding one verse from this book, let alone being able to access the wealth of wisdom it contains. In Surah 56, verse 75 through 79, it says, I swear by the positions of the stars, this is an oath if you only knew that is awesome. This is an honorable Quran in a protected book. None can grasp it except the sincere. God has placed a mechanism on this book where it is inaccessible to those who are not pure, those who are insincere. The irony is this verse, none can grasp it except those who are sincere. The traditional Muslims who uphold hadith believe this has to do with physical cleansliness, that you have to be clean, that if you're a woman, you can't be menstruating in order to be able to read or touch this book. And they fundamentally misunderstand this whole premise of how God is protecting this book, that anyone can pick it up, anyone can read it, but only the sincere can access it. Only the sincere can reflect on its verses and apply it to their lives with their true understandings. In Surah 17, verse 45 through 46, it reads, When you read the Quran, we place between you and those who do not believe in the hereafter an invisible barrier. We place shields around their minds to prevent them from understanding it, and deafness in their ears. And when you preach your Lord using the Quran alone, Quran wahdahu, they run away in aversion. One of the names of the Quran is Al-Furqan, the statute book, the book of law. It reads in Surah 25 verse 1, it says, Most blessed is the one who revealed the statute book to his servant, so he can serve as a warner to the whole world. No one reads this passage and thinks that Al-Furqan is a separate book than what's in the Quran. Al-Furqan is contained in the verses of the Quran. The laws are embedded inside this Quran. We see a similar phenomenon with Hikmah. In Surah 36 verse 2 it says, And the Quran, the wisdom, Al-Hakim, which comes from the same root as Hikmah, 
that God is saying that this Quran, one of the names of it is Al-Hakim, that this is the book of wisdom. In Surah 3, verse 58, it reads, These are the revelations that we recite to you, providing the reminder, al-dhikr, the wisdom, al-Hakim. But again, we see that these are not separate things, but actually facets of the Quran that are embedded inside the Quran. For instance, in Surah 21, verse 10, it tells us that the reminder is contained inside the Quran. It reads, We have sent down to you a scripture. In it is your reminder. Do you not understand? And we see the same aspect in regards to wisdom. In Surah 43, verse 2 through 4, it reads, and the enlightening scripture, we have rendered it in Arabic, Quran, that you may understand. It is preserved with us in the original master, honorable and full of wisdom. In Surah 10, verse 1, it reads, A-L-R, Alif Lam Ra. These letters are proofs of this book of wisdom. So again, the hikmah is contained within the Quran. Any person can go and pick up the Quran. They can look at its letters, they can read its words, they can memorize its verses, but only the sincere, those who believe in the hereafter, those who worship God alone, they have access to unlock the wisdom that is contained inside this book. One of the most cited verses to claim that hikmah is something separate from the scripture itself can be found in the passage regarding the commandment that God gives to the prophet's wives where it mentions both ayat, which is uh, translated as verses, of God as well as hikmah, wisdom. And this is in Surah 33, verse 34. It reads, Remember what is being recited in your homes of God's verses and the wisdom. God is sublime, cognizant. The claim rests on the understanding that since hikmah in this verse is mentioned separately from the verses of God in the Quran, therefore this must mean that hikmah cannot be contained within the Quran. In all honesty, this argument isn't much different than the other verses that mention kitab and hikmah separately, but for whatever reason they think because this verse mentions specifically ayat, the verses, that this is a clear-cut case that hikmah is something separate. And the crux of this argument rests on the prefix that's used of wow. And since it says, and the verses of God and the wisdom, that therefore these are two completely mutually exclusive separate things, that they are not the same. And we'll see that this is not entirely correct. Because while adding the prefix wa can typically be used to separate mutually exclusive categories, it can also be used to emphasize a subset of a category, such that the broader category is mentioned first, then the subset of the category is mentioned second. The first example of this uh, use of wa in this style can be seen in the following verse. In Surah 3, verse 48, it discusses what God taught Jesus. And it reads, He will teach him the scripture and the wisdom and the Torah and the gospel. Now, if we're going to say that these are mutually exclusive, then that means that the Torah and the gospel were not scriptures, but we know they are scriptures. So therefore, both the Torah and the gospel in Jeel are a subset of the scripture. The above verse indicates that Jesus was taught the scripture, Kitab. He was taught the wisdom, Hikmah, as well as the Torah and the gospel in Jeel. 
using the prefix wa to separate each item. Except again, the Torah, the Gospel are all scriptures, kitab, and not something mutually exclusive from scripture. Therefore, Torah and Gospel are a subset of the scripture as well as the wisdom. And once you notice this, you'll start noticing it throughout other places in the Quran. For example, in Surah 2 verse 53 it reads, Recall that we gave Moses scripture and the statute book, Al-Furqan, that you may be guided. You know, from the above verse, one would think that the scripture, Kitab, and the statute book, Al-Furqan, that Moses received were two separate books. But in actuality, the statute book was contained inside the scripture that Moses received. Not much different than when God calls the Quran Al-Furqan. He's not talking about some other book. It's all embedded inside one book. In Surah 21 verse 48 it reads, We gave Moses and Aaron the statute book, a beacon and a reminder for the righteous. So again, God is saying that this scripture, one of the names of it, one of the functions of it, is Al-Furqan, the statute book. Just like the Quran has multiple names, Quran is just one of the names. As we saw, God uses multiple names to describe this very book. God utilized the names Al-Furqan for the Quran. He utilizes Al-Zikr for the Quran. But these are not separate books. They're all one book. For instance, in Surah 6, verse 154, it says, And we gave Moses the scripture, complete with the best commandments, detailing everything, and a beacon and mercy that they may believe in meeting their Lord. Moses was not given multiple books. He was given one book. And this book contained the commandments. It contained details of everything. And similarly, we read in Surah 44, verse 1 through 4, it reads, Hamim, H-M, and this enlightening scripture. We have sent it down in a blessed night, for we are to warn. In it, every matter of wisdom is clarified. That inside this Quran, all the matters of hikmah, are clarified. They're all explained within this book. So again, this shows that just because it uses the prefix wa doesn't mean that these are mutually exclusive things, that it can actually be used to reference a subcategory of what was previously specified. There's also another glaring issue with this interpretation of 3334, where it reads, you know, commanding the prophet's wives, remember what is being recited in your homes of God's verses and the wisdom. God is sublime, cognizant. To think that this wisdom is in reference to Hadith is actually completely contradictory to the Quran. In Surah 66, verse 1, we read about an incident between the prophet and his wives. It reads, O you prophet, why do you prohibit what God has made lawful for you? Just to please your wives, God is forgiver, merciful. So here we have an incident where the prophet is literally saying something to his wives, prohibiting something that God did not prohibit. Now this shows that the prophet did not have authority to prohibit something that God did not prohibit. And secondly, this hadith that came out of the prophet's own mouth was fundamentally wrong and God is reprimanding him for this. This shows that the hadith, even if it came out of the prophet's own mouth, in confidence to his wives, should not be followed because we cannot know the full context or the possibility that he could be wrong. And it continues in Surah 66 verse 3, it says the prophet had trusted some of his wives with a certain statement. And the little Arabic here for this statement is hadith. Then one of them spread it and God let him know about it. He then informed his wife of part of the issue and disregarded part. 
She asked him, who informed you of this? He said, I was informed by the omniscient, most cognizant. So in this verse, the prophet shared an actual hadith that God is confirming that came out of his mouth with some of his wives. Yet God is reprimanding the one wife for spreading such a statement. This shows that any statement that the prophet shared with his wives was to be kept private. The verse continues that if the wife who heard the statement and the wife who listened to the statement, who didn't originally hear it, do not repent and reform and stop the spreading of hadith, that they would be exiled from God's mercy. It reads in Surah 66 verse 4, it says, If the two of you repent to God, then your hearts have listened. But if you band together against him, then God is his ally, and so is Gabriel and the righteous believers. Also the angels are his helpers. If he divorces you, his Lord will substitute other wives in your place who are better than you. Submitters, Muslims, believers, moments, obedient, repentant, worshippers, pious, either previously married or virgins. These verses are explaining a hadith that came out of the Prophet's own mouth. He shared it with one of his wives, who shared it with another wife, and God is reprimanding them. Now, from these examples alone, it would be very peculiar to think that Surah 33, verse 34, is telling the Prophet's wives to do the opposite of what they're being reprimanded for, to think that they're being advocated to remember and propagate the hadith of the Prophet that they hear within the homes is absolutely absurd. As we have seen, such actions are in clear violation of the verses of the Quran and something that the wives of the Prophet were explicitly warned never to do. Yet despite this, we are to believe that one of the Prophet's wives, Aisha, narrated some 2,210 hadith about the Prophet regarding some of the most intimate and personal aspects of his private life things that should never be shared publicly. It doesn't make sense to believe that Aisha was such a chatty Cathy that she was telling people not just like one story, but 2,210 hadith that she heard directly from the Prophet, knowing full well that the repercussions of such things that she would be exiled from God. It's an absolute absurd understanding to uphold. But there's another major peculiarity with this entire narrative around upholding of Hadith. If we consult the Hadith sources regarding their understanding of Surah 66 verse 4 and 5, they come up with something that's so absurd, so disgusting, I can't even repeat what is explicitly stated regarding the Prophet and his wives. But from these verses, it's clear that one wife who heard the Hadith shared this information with another wife who did not hear this hadith, that this was not information that was disclosed to the masses, but it was something that's within the household. And God does not disclose what this hadith was. Yet, if we look at the tafsir of Ibn Kathir, not only does it somehow know the statement, it goes into graphic details of the Prophet's sexual dealings with his wives. Additionally, this hadith comes from Sahih Bukhari, narrated by supposedly Aisha. To think, that after being warned in the verses of the Quran by God himself for spreading such information to another wife, that she would go on and continue openly talking about this with others in the community 
is absolutely absurd and profoundly gross. In Surah 33 verse 6, it says, The prophet is closer to the believers than they are to each other, and his wives are like mothers to them. Imagine hearing this statement regarding your own mother and your own father. We should be ashamed of ourselves for propagating this nonsense and attributing it to the prophet and his wives regarding the sexual dealings of what took place inside his bedroom. It's beyond absurd. These are clear fabrications. Yet the upholders of Hadith live and die by these words, this utter nonsense attributed to the prophet and his wives in clear contradiction to the Quran. God gave us only one book to study. This book is the Quran alone. To think that Hikmah designates some other book is in stark contradiction to the Quran. In Surah 34 verse 44 it says, We did not give them any other books to study, nor did we send to them before you another warner. The only book that we have to study, the only book we have for our religious laws is this Quran alone. The second we set up some other book created by humans and jinns that defy the words of God in this Quran, we are to reject such fabrication. It reads in Surah 6 verse 112, says, We have permitted the enemies of every prophet, human and jinn devils, to inspire in each other fancy words in order to deceive. Had your Lord willed, they would not have done it. You shall disregard them and their fabrications. It says, this is to let the minds of those who do not believe in the hereafter listen to such fabrications and accept them and thus expose their real convictions. Individuals who uphold Hadith beside the Quran are showing that they don't believe in the hereafter. And if they don't believe in the hereafter, therefore they will not have access to this Quran. They will not have access to the hikmah that's embedded inside this book. God continues in Surah 6 verse 114 says, Shall I seek other than God as a source of law when he has revealed to you this book fully detailed? Those who receive the scripture recognize that it has been revealed from your Lord truthfully. You shall not harbor any doubt. It's worth noting that the word for law in this verse is hakaman. This comes from the same root as to judge, but also the same root as hikmah, which is wisdom, as well as this word is used elsewhere in the Quran as an arbitrator. That this is the function of the Quran is for us to be able to use this to distinguish truth from falsehood. And it continues in Surah 6 verse 115, it says, The word of your Lord is complete in truth and justice. Nothing shall abrogate his words. He is the hearer, the omniscient. And then God gives us this dire warning. It says, if you obey the majority of people on earth, they will divert you from the path of God. They follow only conjecture, the only guess. These verses give us further assurances that if we are looking for religious law from anywhere aside from the scripture itself, then we are inevitably setting up another source besides what God has officially authorized. When it comes to the wisdom to understand these religious laws, it's all embedded inside the scripture itself. This is why when the messengers judge regarding the people's disputes, they did not judge by their personal opinion, but strictly by the scripture they were given. In Surah 4 verse 105, it reads, We have sent down to you the scripture truthfully in order to judge among the people in accordance with what God has shown you. You shall not side with the betrayers. We read a similar example in Surah 38 verse 26 in the context of David that God reprimands him saying, Do not judge by your personal opinion. 
the judgment of the messengers had to have corresponded with what was directly revealed to them. To think that they could arbitrarily set up prohibitions or make changes to God's religion on their own volition is absolutely absurd and it contradicts the very verses of God in the Quran. If you consult the Hadith, you see that the Prophet was mulling over if he should prohibit something or not, as if it was just a personal preference. For instance, in Sahih Muslim, Book 16, Hadith 166, it says that the Prophet intended to prohibit having intercourse with women while they are suckling children. But then he considered that the Romans and Persians do it without any injury being caused to their children thereby, so because of this he permitted it. This Sahih Hadith makes it seem as if the Prophet on his own volition, his own opinion, could rule religious decrees as if they came from God. God tells us in the Quran, had he done this, he would have stopped the revelations to him. None of us could have helped him. It reads in Surah 69, verse 43 through 47, it says, A revelation from the Lord of the universe. And the word that's used here is tanzil. There's no question that this is in the context of the Quran. It says, Had he uttered any other teachings, we would have punished him. We would have stopped the revelations to him. None of you could have helped him. And the literal Arabic says that God would have seized him by his right hand, that he would have severed his aorta. To think that the Prophet had the authority to make up random religious prohibitions is absolutely contradictory to the Quran, specifically for the fact that in Surah 66 verse 1, God is calling out the Prophet for doing these things only to please his wives. So all this shows is that we have a choice. We can either accept the words of God in the Quran, that when he tells us that this book is complete, it's fully detailed, it has explanations for everything, that it should be our only source of religious law, we can accept that. But the second that we choose to go to some other source, it shows that we don't believe the words of God in this Quran. And that's the alternative. Either we follow the Quran alone, or we set up some other sources to go and chase uh, books made by humans and jinns to try to convince us of something that's contrary to the truth that God has sent in this scripture. Now we can't force anyone to believe. All we can do is remind. But God willing, the reverent will see the truth from the verses of God in this Quran, that their minds will be unblocked and they can see the hikmah that's encompassed inside this Quran. In Surah 2 verse 269 it reads, He bestows wisdom upon whomever he chooses, and whoever attains wisdom has attained a great bounty. Only those who possess intelligence will take heed. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions you want to get in touch, please join us on our Discord server, the submission server. The invite link is below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to QuranCityApp.com website. We also have the Quran Talk blog as well as ChronicLabs.com website if you want more information. And until next time, peace and God bless.